Okay, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I'll be reading chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Concerning Christ Jesus. He is the one who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and penetrating word. Father, cause us this morning to see, to see what is right here, plainly written by your Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Oh, that we would see in order to rejoice. No matter what circumstance in our lives. Oh, that we would Realize the beauty of your creation and of your plan of redemption for your glory. Amen and amen. You know, there are times when all our weary souls really need is a vision. I don't mean a, a vision about what great exploits we might do for God. I mean a vision of God. I, I mean a vision of our Savior. And just let that sight, that truth fill our soul. That's this morning's text. Now, we've been in this great hymn that Paul is using here in Philippians 2. I think this is the third week. And we are to note this morning, there's a decisive change from the first half to the second half. The first half is the eternal God, the second person of the Trinity, humbling Himself, becoming a human being, a slave and in obedience 
unto a brutal, torturous death. And then the second half now, verses 9 through 11, is where the Father intervenes to exalt the Son. Christ self-humbling, even under a brutal death. Pick up verse 9. Therefore, huge word, because of what we have seen in verses 6 to 7, therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. So that it results in this. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And in heaven and on earth and under the earth and anywhere else. And every tongue confess that Jesus, the Messiah, is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. The Father highly exalted him. From, from the depths of human death. To the highest position in the universe. Way above. Highly exalted. When he says that. It is in relationship to all creation. It's not in relationship to Jesus' pre-existent state. He was here, and now he's even more highly exalted than he was as God. It is in relationship to his pre-existent state. Let's read it again slowly. Verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That bestowing of the name is part of his being highly Exalted, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Everywhere. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is, in the Greek, kurios. And so, who is this God? And what does the term here Name mean that he bestowed. Thus, what does this term Lord mean? That's where we're going this morning. So, it's going to be a process. Hope you had your coffee. Hope you're just track, track with me here because the payoff is really worth it. So the first significant thing to understand is, is that this Greek word, I mean, you know words, you know agape, you know logos from the Greek New Testament. You should know kurios. It is the word that's translated Lord all over the place. And so 
But what we need to see first is that this Greek word kurios, which is translated Lord, we need to see it in its relationship to the Old Testament. So if you would, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. You know the story. God calls Abraham. Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel, or Jacob, has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. They end up in slavery for hundreds of years. And then baby Moses is born. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. He kills an Egyptian. He has to flee for his life. He flees off into the wilderness, and he's there for 40 years. Gets married, has a family, has in-laws. And one day, he's tending the sheep. And he sees a bush on fire. But it's not being burned up. So he goes closer and he hears the voice of the Creator. Moses, Moses, take your sandals off. Place where you are standing is holy. We know. Now, if you're there, let's pick up in verse 13 as Moses is having a conversation with God. Then Moses said to God, because he's telling him to go, deliver the people. But God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say, this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Who shall I say to them who, who, who sent me? They want to know your name. My name is Yahweh. I am who I am. Okay. Of course, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. A little bit Aramaic, but we're just dealing with Hebrew here. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Hebrew. Elohim. Elohim is the word for God in Hebrew. Here, Elohim, God said, I am. Has sent you. Tell them that. God also said to Moses, say this to the people, Yahweh. Which actually is a little twist on that to be verb. I am. Existence of verb. Yahweh has sent me to you. This is my name forever. 
Now flip over a couple pages to Exodus 6, verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. So get it at this point. God's personal name in the Hebrew, it's made up of four consonants. In Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Heg, all the way through, there are no vowels. Well, how do you say anything? Okay, yeah. You just know, just like your little one and a half year old starts to speak. You know, and then when you write the language and, you, and, you, and you're putting consonants with each other, you, in context, you just, you, you just know. You have to have vowel sounds or you cannot say anything as a human being. Okay, it's, it's, it's what carries you from one consonant to the other, right? A, E, I, O, O, E, okay. There are no vowel letters in the Hebrew. So when you look at the Hebrew Bible, you have a Hebrew Bible, it's all consonants, no vowels. This personal name, he reveals himself as four Letters and it's we call it therefore the Tetra Grammaton, the Tetra for Grammaton letters. Now, depending on what vowel sounds you carry one consonant to the other, it may be and probably, but you know, don't know, pronounced Yahweh. That's what I'm going with. It's the four letters. It's Yod Hey Vav Hey. Transliterate those over into English. It's Y-H-W-H. The four letters. It is used 6,828 times in the Old Testament. All over. That's, that's his personal name. Distinct from God, name, Yahweh. Now, briefly... King James Version translates this word numerous times as Jehovah. Why is that? So here's, here's why. Track with me. Early on, the Jews, before Christ, know the commandments. One of the ten. Do not take. Not, not, not the title God. Or another title, Lord. But don't take the name, the four letters, in vain. And they went overboard. So much so that it became their custom in their practice for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years. To as they're reading, like we read here this morning, the Bible. And Old Testament and New Testament, as they would read Old Testament, they would be in synagogue. When, as they're reading, then they come to the four letters, they would never pronounce them. What they did is they took a totally different Hebrew word, which is in the Old Testament, Adonai, which means Lord, 
And they would pronounce that word when they came to the four consonants. And thus, around 600 to 900 A.D., because the Hebrew language was slowly in danger of going out of use in existence, the Jewish Masoretes who were in charge of copying and recopying the Scripture, the Old Testament, the Hebrew, they created a vowel point system so that it wouldn't get lost on how to pronounce the words that they knew. And they wouldn't touch the text. The Scripture is sacred. They wouldn't do anything to the actual Word of God. The Hebrew words, which are all consonants. They created a system where, okay, a, a little dot raised above a letter, that'll make the long O sound. That's how you're supposed to say that. And, and you could put it above the text. Or two little dots below a letter, you would say, it's a tseri, and you would say a, a, pronounce it like a. And then the oo, and then the ah, with a pata, etc. They created this, in other words, marks, little markings around the letters. So if you pick up a Hebrew Bible today, you pick up one that's pointed all over the place, you see all those little dots and tittles around it. And so, when they came to the four letters, okay, six, seven, eight hundred years after Christ, what vowel sounds are they going to use for the four letters? They haven't pronounced this in well, over a thousand years. They just took the vowel letters for the Hebrew word Adonai and put them there. And if you try to pronounce it with those vowel sounds, it comes out Jehovah. Okay, here's the point. These four letters are the proper name of God. Not a title. His personal name is Yahweh. His title is, in the Hebrew Old Testament, Adonai, Lord. The difference between president, that's a title. Donald Trump, proper name, personal name. And you know what? And you know this as you read your Old Testament with people all over the place. Israel, you're, how do you get that name? He wrestles with God. We just saw that. So his name is changed. The name of God fits the Old Testament context of giving names that indicate something of the character of the one who has the name. So in other words, God is saying, I am who I am. I am the I am. Because in this name, the idea is that he's a being. He is a being who has the power of being in himself. Not from something outside of him, past, present, or future, but God is absolutely and utterly different from us. We, in here, are all creatures, we're dependent. We began. We began from conception on and since that very instant we have always been 
changing. God, on the other hand, is not. I was, or I am becoming what I really want to be someday, or I shall be, but God is. It's always I am. Here's my name. It's the four letters. Probably the way to pronounce it with the vowel sounds is Yahweh. It's a play on that to be verb. I am. And so Yahweh, his name calls attention to God's eternal, it means without beginning, his unchangeable nature. So you just think with me for, for a few moments. All of us here, we're human beings as distinct from the supreme being. The essence of the supreme being is that he has being in himself. Meaning he is ultimate reality. He's what Plato and Aristotle were looking for. So we, we have human beings, and we have the supreme being. What is the difference? It's not in the words human or supreme. The difference is in the word being. I'm a human being. Sixty years ago, no one cared about Joe LeMay. Why? Because I was not. And then, in 1961, I was conceived in my mother's womb and I began. I started to be. Before that, I was not. Then, I came in to being. But I did not start myself. I had to be procreated by others in order to be at all. All of us who have come into being are also constantly changing. We are, in essence, human becomings. The point is that my being is not pure being. It's not perfect being. Because what I don't have is the power to be within myself. I'm totally derivative. Totally dependent on air, food, water, God, on the other hand, the supreme being, God, depends on nothing. God and God alone has the power to be in himself. It's called self-existence. 
We have a large theological term for it. It's called aseity. Picture it, right? In your playground, one boy, he asks the other eight-year-old boy, where did the trees come from? He says, God made the trees. Okay, who, who made the sky? God did. Who made you? God made me. Okay. Where did God come from? Little boy misinterpreting Sunday school. He says, God made God. And that's where he went terribly wrong. God is not a creature. There is never a moment of existence where God wasn't, but always is. He is the one who revealed himself at the burning bush to Moses as I am. My name is Yahweh. At the burning bush, he's essentially saying to Moses, look, I have being in myself, Moses. You don't. Aaron doesn't. Pharaoh doesn't. The galaxies, the sun, the moon, stars, they don't have it. I and I alone have the power to be intrinsically within my being. I didn't gain it. I didn't come by it. It didn't arise from somewhere outside of myself. It is who I am. So just think about it for a couple, couple seconds. This is unassailable, what I'm going to say. If nothing in existence had or has the power of being in itself, then nothing, no thing could possibly exist. But if something does exist, if something is, if anything is, if right now you sitting here on those seats actually really do exist, well, that means someone is who has intrinsically a pure state of absolute being. There could be nothing. There could be no human beings without absolute being, without someone whose name is Yahweh. I am. Okay. Let's take those four letters. Set it over here for a second, okay? I'm going to go to one, one other Hebrew word for a moment. And that's the Hebrew word, Adonai which is used 450 times and it's always referring to a title referring to God. We translate it Lord. Adonai means absolute sovereign, higher than any king. He's Adonai. 
you got your Bible, turn to Psalms, chapter 8, per second. And I want you to look at it. I want you to see it with your eyes. The psalmist says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The Hebrew behind that translation is, Yahweh, our Adonai. Two totally different words. How majestic is your name in all the earth. But I want you to see something that's beautiful in modern translations. You see the two words, Lord, there? Psalm 8, 1. O Lord, our Lord. Notice the first Lord, all four letters are capitalized. Notice the second Lord, only the L is capitalized. The other three are small case. What they are doing for you is telling you what Hebrew word, God's personal name, the four letters, or the word Adonai is behind it. When you run across Lord, all four letters capitalized in your English translation, they're saying this is translating the Tetragrammaton, the four letters, Yahweh, the personal name of God. When they're not capitalized, it's translating Adonai. Okay, now, we good? We good? All right. Now, that brings us to the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was done a couple hundred years before Christ, which is really significant because that translation into Greek was the main Bible for the first century church. I mean, unless you were a Jew in Jerusalem. For the Gentiles and the Gentile mission and the people Paul are talking to, they don't know Hebrew. They know Greek and they have their Greek translation. And so here's the question then. 200 or so years before Christ, when the Jews in Alexandria, Egypt, so we got to get this thing into what we're speaking all the time here, into Greek, and they translate it. How did they translate Adonai? Well, with the Greek word kurios. The basic Greek word for Lord. Now, when they come across the four letters, which they would never speak, but they would say in Hebrew, Adonai, how did they translate that? The four letters. Yahweh. Same Greek word. Kurios. Lord. So in the Greek... Old Testament of the first century, we still have it today, both Adonai and Yahweh are translated kurios. Now, turn to Psalm 110 for a moment, because I want you to turn there, because this is one of the most often quoted Old Testament texts quoted in the New Testament. Verse 1. Remember, Jesus also used this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. 
Now, what is amazing is that God, that is particularly Yahweh, is having a conversation with someone he is addressing as Adonai. Adonai is God's title. Yahweh is his personal name. In the Old Testament, Yahweh is the name that is above every name. And the one who possesses that name in the Old Testament is clearly Adonai, sovereign ruler of the universe. And so, Psalm 110 verse 1, the Septuagint, that's the Greek translation done a couple hundred years before Christ, translates that, translates the Hebrew, which is Yahweh says to my Adonai. The Greek translates that. Kurios says to my Kurios. Okay, now go back to Philippians. Chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, remember? Verses 6 to 8, Christ Jesus emptied himself, veiled his glory during his mortality, made himself nothing of no reputation, did it for us and for our salvation by becoming a human being and becoming the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, became obedient unto death. What is the culmination of all of this? The answer is verses 9 to 11. So let's read it. See if we see it. Therefore, as a result of or because of Christ's humility, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. If we were to go to a hundred churches throughout this country this morning and take a survey and ask our brothers and sisters in Christ, what is the name above every name? the vast majority of them would probably say, Jesus. But don't read it too quickly. Jesus actually was a very common name. In Spanish, it still is. It's actually the name Joshua. He would be known by when Aramaic, which was a spoken language very close to Hebrew. You'd call him Yeshua. And the Hebrew is Yeshua, essentially the same. Comes over into Greek as Yesu. Okay, all right. English, we, we do the J sound, okay? So we say Jesus, okay? So the Latin languages, you don't do that. It, it's yeah, yeah, okay? So yeah, yeah, Asus. It's a common name. Let's read it again slowly. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, 
is what you got to get on that man. On him. The name. That is above every name. He is not referring to the name Jesus. The name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Kurios to the glory of God the Father. So that at the name of Jesus, yeah, the name which this man goes by, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus, the Messiah, is Yahweh. He's Kurios. To the glory of God the Father. The name bestowed upon Jesus is not Jesus. He had that name since his conception in Mary's womb. The name that is above every name. The name that is above any other possible name. Is the name that God revealed himself to be at the burning bush with Moses. I am. Tell them, Moses, I am sent you. I am Yahweh. Kurios. Yahweh is the name that the Father bestows upon this killed resurrected, ascended, exalted human being who is his eternal son. And he does that bestowing of the name on David's son in response. To his incarnation, his suffering, and his death. The name is Kurios, who is Adonai, sovereign Lord. So, here's the application. Take that with you. Feed upon the word of God you've heard this morning. Let the contemplation of God, of the great I am, let that bring you deep joy. Joy in his being. Be impressed by be awed by it. And I want every soul to hear me. I'm closing right here. You got two choices. 
And it is what this text means. Be awed by it. And either fall down in fear, begging that the mountains and the rocks fall upon you in order to obliterate you from actually existing so that you do not have to face him in judgment. Or, and this is the beauty of the gospel, it's the beauty as Paul writes it and as believers read it, fall down again and again in glorious happiness and joy and hope with the heartfelt confession. Christ Jesus is the one who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He became in full obedience unto death, even death on a cross. And therefore, because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus, the Messiah, here's our confession, he is Yahweh. He is the creator. He is Kurios. He's the one who encountered Moses at the burning bush. And he's done all of this to the glory of God the Father. And to the salvation of all who see it. Embrace it. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you're good. Your ways are good. Your word is so rich. Oh, as Paul exclaims at the end of Romans, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who, who can say or correct you in, in any way? No one. For as you revealed yourself as Yahweh, as the great I am, all things come from, through, to you and you do all things like the precious gift of your son and his brutal death where you killed, punished our sin on the cross and then you highly exalted him as king forever for he is your eternal son. We thank you for such a gift.